I'd like to tarry there for just a moment or two. Thank you. I love that uh, B3 sound. It's nice. That one. <laughs> hey, friends. Um, my name is Bert Young, and I'm part of the care uh, department at Elmhurst Church these days. And um, it's a pleasure to spend time with you this morning as we open the Word of God. I want to ask you if you've lived long enough to understand and believe yet that in their in your world, there will at some point in some way be trouble. You believe that? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you know that when Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, he was speaking the word of truth, and he was not only talking to the people who were following him at that time, but he's talking to the people who are following him at this time as well. And he's talking to all people because trouble comes in a variety of packages, and it's always delivered at an inopportune time. So uh, your third grader comes home from school tomorrow and uh, it's obvious to you that something's wrong with her and you said, what's wrong, honey? And she says, I went out to the playground where we always meet with the other kids to play and the girls said, they didn't want to play with me. And you say, oh, it's okay, honey. You'll find more friends. And she's thinking, in my world, I got trouble, right? You believe that you are the perfect person for the role in a high school play. You can do it, and you don't make the cut. You got trouble. You graduate from college. You get the job you wanted. You are trained for it, ready for it, and after one week at work, you realize this is not how I want to spend my life. And you go back to your parents' basement. You, you got trouble. You're married and things are going along pretty well. Married three, four years. And you come to that point where, you know, you've had the puppy and it's now a dog. And you realize, we should have a child. And um, a few years later, the doctor says, well, that's not going to happen for you. You've got trouble. You slide into the MRI tube thinking, I've got trouble. You repeat the same story to mom for the fourth time in an hour, and you realize, we've got trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. It's Reformation Sunday, right? Martin Luther 1517 has this moment when this seismic change in spiritual community happens because he decided to take a bold stand for the gospel. Well, Martin Luther lived in a world, and in his world, he knew trouble. Ten years later, he's pastor of a church, and he first experiences the illness that will plague him the rest of his life. Some think it was black plague. Some think it was some other kind of disease. Whatever it was, it tormented him. Listen to what he writes 10, minutes after, or 10 years after he took the bold stand for Jesus in the Reformation. He says, I spent a week in death and hell. My whole body was in pain, and I, I am still trembling he says, I am completely abandoned by Christ. This guy who initiates a movement that sweeps through the world, he says, I labor under vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against God. Blaspheming God, really? 
in this world, you will have trouble. So the world goes to pieces for us, right? At a time, in a way, at a place we didn't expect it, we're hardly prepared for it. What happens when it, when it hits us? Well, some of us panic. What am I going to do? Why me? Why now? I don't deserve this. And some of us go to the other end of the uh, emotional spectrum and we shut down. System overload. We crash. We go to sleep. Can't function. Can't decide. Can't act. So overwhelmed, we're in shutdown mode. And then there are some of us who, uh, maybe my age and ethnic background, we overcompensate. Well, we are the suck-it-up buttercup school. <laughs> we can do this. This ain't so bad. I've been, you know, kind of tuck yourself into these things and get yourself going. And this is how we're going to handle it. And then someday something comes when even that doesn't work. What do you do when it goes to pieces? Well, what I want to do with you in the next few moments is walk with you through some Bible passages that I have found helpful in my life. They have encouraged me when I found my own life going to pieces. Because like you, there have been moments in my life when I've done it to myself or life has done it to me. I found myself in a place where it's just kind of fallen apart. I don't think that all of these words are going to apply to all of you. So please don't be looking in yourself for that place where this fits in my life at this moment. But, but I do believe that in these next moments there will be a word or a thought, maybe a song, a prayer, something in which God's spirit nudges you and says, this is why I have you here this morning. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. I want you to see this. If you are rooted in Jesus, there really is a better way to deal with the trouble that comes into your life when it all falls apart. And I want to share with you some of the ways in which I've experienced that in my life. And I'm going to begin by taking us to John chapter 16, where Jesus is talking with his disciples about some end time issues. These verses in chapters um, 16, 17 in the surrounding context are called the final discourse. He's preparing them for the day when he won't be with them because he knows he's going to be crucified. He's going to be raised from the dead. He will then have a short period of ministry on earth. He will then be ascended into heaven. And to prepare them for the day that things aren't going to be the same, in fact, the day when things will be very different for them and they will be saying, we have got trouble, Jesus offers these words. Look, look what he says in John sixteen thirty three, and you can read the words in yellow if you would. I have told you, says Jesus, these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Before he tells us there will be trouble, he tells us why we're even talking about this. He says, I'm telling you these things so that you can have peace. This is to help prepare you for what lies ahead so that you know when it comes, you know it will be coming. And the word that occurs to me as I read that verse is the word anticipate. Anticipate. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat life and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. No, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. I'm telling you things you already know, but I'm also telling you things you are going to experience. 
Things will not be the way you always want them to be. Things will not always be the way you like them to be. Things will happen in your life that will be labeled trouble. He knew that. Not because he knew all things, but because in his world, it was no different than our world. Jesus lived with people, mothers, who buried their children. He knew that in the world, sometimes kids die. Jesus lived with people, women who were sick 18 years, 12 years, and who every day hoped and prayed that today they'd get up out of bed feeling well, and it didn't happen for them until he made it happen. He knew that in his world, there were some people who had trouble. He knew that his was a world in which powerful political people abused those they were called to serve. In his world and in ours, there will be trouble. His was a world in which people stole from their employers, including his own disciples. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus even knew that there are some synagogues in which there is wailing in his day like in our day, because of the murder of innocence. It happened in his world when he was a child, as it happens in ours. There will be trouble. When you're looking for it, when you're not looking for it, when you've caused it, when you haven't caused it, it will come. So my overcompensating spirit says, well, if it's going to come, let's get ready for it, right? You know, uh, maybe we ought to build a little margin into our lives. This makes sense to me. So if there's going to be financial trouble in my life, maybe I ought to have a little bit of a financial cushion in my life, right? Just build a bit of margin. If there's going to be trouble in relationships, maybe I ought to invest more in relationships so that they're strong enough to absorb the impact, kind of like an airbag emotionally, absorb the impact when trouble comes. Maybe if I know things aren't going to happen really well at work, I ought to be preparing myself for the next chapter in my career. Anticipate, anticipate, and then overcompensate. The problem with overcompensating is that while it makes sense to build as much margin as God would allow in our lives, we can drive ourselves crazy. And we drive those around us crazy by trying to managing, manage, control, and do everything we can to anticipate every problem that would ever come into our world. There is a better way. There is a better way. So on the one hand, Jesus says, anticipate it. And if I can anticipate that there will be trouble in this world, then it seems to me the next word that at least is helpful to me is the word focus. Focus, that is, bring my thinking to a certain place, a certain truth. Isaiah the prophet wrote in chapter 26, verse 3, these words. These, to me, are a call to focus words, right? You will keep in perfect peace who? The person whose mind is steadfast, because that person trusts in you. Isaiah lived in troubled times with troubled people, and he says, listen, God is going to keep you in peace if you can bring your head to the place where it is fixed and certain and immovable. 
And if I could find that place on what remains steady, though all things around me are changing, that would be a good place to be. I think it requires enormous effort. I think it requires the good grace of God to wash into me at a moment. I don't even expect it. But if I only find a place where I could be quieted and that will not change though everything around me is drifting apart. The war that continues to define the people of my generation is the Vietnam War, the Southeast Asia conflict that claimed 50,000 lives and continues to impact our culture to this very day. A lot of stories that came out of the war, but the one that sticks with me is a story of Howard Rutledge, who wrote a book about it some years after his release. Rutledge was a Navy pilot shot down over North Vietnam, spent seven years in captivity, five of which were solitary confinement for Rutledge. His world was three feet wide and six feet long, and he spent 1,700 days in that world without talking, without seeing the sun, without seeing grass, without seeing day, without seeing night. That was his world. And yet he came out of that world relatively emotionally, spiritually unscathed. How did he do that? How did he do that? Rutledge wrote in his book that I developed my mind saver. Every morning he said I'd get up and I'd plan more things for that day than I could accomplish in the day. Sounds like overcompensation to me. But he would begin by walking his cell hour after hour, three steps one way, three steps back, until he had amassed thousands of steps for the day. And then he would begin to sing every hymn he could remember from his childhood. And then he would begin to remember scripture. He would recall every Bible passage that he had ever learned that somehow stuck in his mind. After his release, he said, I got a lot of things mixed up and a lot of things didn't come out quite the way they were written in the Bible, but it was in my head and that's where I went and that's what carried me through 1,700 days of solitary confinement. And I'm thinking, wow, how long would I last? I mean, I mean, I could do the steps. But what about the songs? What about the verses? Where's the Bible? What's the scripture? What do I have that's somehow going to be filtered into my life so that when it all falls apart, I've got something to hang on to? Where are you going to go when it's falling apart? What is your focus? Where is the perfect peace you find? For me, in recent years, it has become one specific scripture that I think I can say with truth nearly every day for the past four or five years has come to my mind, and often it's the first scripture that I think of when my day starts. Psalm 63. And I've mentioned it to you before. I'm going to mention it to you again. If you don't have a place in the Bible where your mind goes when things are kind of getting loose and that you are really nervous about, you, here's a great place to go. David wrote this when his life was falling apart and one of his kids was trying to kill him. And he didn't say, God, you've got to get me out of this. Please take him away. You've got to deal with this. You know what he said? He said, God, you are my God. Say it with me. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
That's where he went when he didn't know where else to go. Now, you, you can choose Psalm 63. Luther chose Psalm 46. And 10 years after he started the Reformation, when he was really, really sick, he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God. Incredible. That's where he went. I don't know where you're going to go, but you need to know where you're going to go. You need to find a place where you can focus, settle, get quieted, and find the strength to go on. Now, another thought about dealing with trouble, anticipate, focus it, fix your mind on it. Perhaps then you will be able to release it. Release it. I love what Peter says, right? 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for you. He cares. He struggled to lay it in the lap of Almighty God. I know, God, you're big enough to handle it. I just don't know if I can trust you with it. Maybe God is giving you the elbow this morning saying, why don't you let me take care of that for you? You know, you really seem stressed about this. This has got you in a corner. I don't want you to be there. And uh, some, you're not a perfect piece. Why don't you let me deal? Could I handle that with you, for you? Whatever it is that's keeping you from peace, could you just come to a place of focus? You're in the trouble you knew was coming, and can you let it go? Could God give you that grace this morning? Let him deal with it. By now, it's clear to you, isn't it, that what we're really talking about is all about relationship. This is not some formula for take these steps and you're going to get to where God wants to take you. But there is a relationship. If you find yourself in that relationship, you can experience what the relationship only promises you, namely peace. He himself is our peace, said Paul. Jesus is the one who can do what you need doing in your life. You already figured it out. You have to be in an honest relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the best strategy for dealing with a life that's falling apart, anticipation, the strategy of trying somehow to hold it all together, all of the focusing efforts, it is all Useless. It's unrealistic. It's unreliable until you're in relationship. Maybe that's the word you needed to hear this morning. But if you want a little more, could I just dip a toe with you into a deeper water just for a second? I hesitate to walk into these waters because I don't have to go very far and I am so far over my head. I don't even know how to get out of it, really. It's kind of like the Colossians passage that Karen read earlier. This is the mirror passage in Ephesians. Listen to these words and see if you understand them. I'm 73, and I've probably read them, I don't know, 50 times, 100 times, I don't know. All about perspective. Just think about this if you can. 
God made known to us the mystery of God's will according to God's good pleasure, which he purposed in his son, Jesus Christ. And it's going to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, Jesus Christ. I mean, he'll put the pieces together. They will all fit. It will make sense. It will be the way it's supposed to be. That's really going to happen. Really? What does it mean? I don't know because I don't experience it yet most of the time. But there are some times and some moments when I get it, when it does happen. God's desire for us is that we live in a universe, not a multiverse, in a world that is one, not a world that is fractured and fragmented. A place where everything is being and will be brought together under Christ. I think I understand that, and then I realize I don't understand it hardly at all. But there are words there that carry us through days and nights as we wait for the pieces to come together. And there are even moments in this life when we get it, and then it's gone. But we get it again, and then it's gone. So Celia, my wife, and I um, were living in Gary, Indiana in 1972 with our two-year-old son, David. Celia was nine months and three weeks pregnant with our second son, Tim. And um, I heard that my dad was going to have surgery in Kalamazoo, Michigan, 150 miles to the east of Gary, Indiana, And uh, we knew that it was going to be serious surgery. It turned out to be stomach cancer. It would take his life six months after the surgery. So here I am. What are we going to do, right? I want to be home to be with my mom and with my dad when he's having surgery. And here's my wife, three weeks past her due date. And Celia says, well, I'll just go to Kalamazoo with you. And I said, no, you won't. You'll stay home with David and it'll be okay. I'll go to Kalamazoo. I'll be back tonight, and, uh, you know, it's just going to be the way it is. So off to Kalamazoo, through dad's surgery, and um, sure enough, stomach cancer. Celia's father died with stomach cancer two, two years earlier. Six months later, he was gone. I'm thinking, six months with my dad, that's it. And then I learned that Celia was in the hospital having her son, and I'm 150 miles away, driving toward home. And I thought, this is not how it's supposed to be. I should be with my wife. I should be with my dad. I should not be here. This should not be now. There is a hill just outside Lawrence, Michigan on I-94. You bottom the hill and climb up the other side. And as I came up the other side, this is what I saw. It was a brilliant blast of divine grace 
so pure, so strong, so unmistakably God that he whispered to me, DeYoung, I got this. You're going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And for a moment, I believed it. And I knew it. And it still thrills me. 35 years later. Friends, we've talked about this because in this world, we have trouble. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Let's pray. Almighty God, bless you, praise you, thank you for picking up the pieces in our life. And we don't always experience that now and here. And yet there are times when it comes together so powerfully, so beautifully that we know it to be true and we can live with it and we can know it's well with my soul. Thank you for the truth of Jesus and that in him you are and will bring all things together. Amen.